Rebecca considered using Rahman as masturbatory fodder. In his early thirties, he wasn't bad-looking, with a lean, fit body and shiny brown skin. Still, although she had married a Gentile, she could not imagine making love to an Arab. Too scary. Too Munich. She shut the bedroom door, closed the curtains, and turned on the air conditioner. It was only the first week of July, but a hundred and three outside, thanks to global warming. She lay under the crimson high-thread count Calvin Klein bedspread, leaned over the side of the bed, and pulled out a Chanel shoebox. In the living room, with the added stimulation of the DVD, she used nothing more than her right index finger and a small dab of lube. But in the sexless and toy-cluttered bedroom, she was going to need special assistance. Inside the box, along with an assortment of other toys, was Rebecca's pale pink mini-pearl egg vibrator. She had bought it at the sex shop Toys in Babeland on the Lower East Side, before there was a Babeland in Park Slope, right next to Pinchick Hardware. The egg was smaller than a real egg, closer to the size of a jumbo wine cork, and it was attached to the battery compartment by a slender white cord. During her twenties, Rebecca had used it with many of her paramours, on them and on herself. Paramore was a title the men probably didn't deserve. Most of her relationships pre-marriage lasted only a few months or half a dozen dates, whichever came first, just long enough for the thrill of new sex to fade or for her to find a guy who interested her more. Unlike some of her friends, who found one-night stands dehumanizing, Rebecca enjoyed them. She would pick up the men, comedians, drummers, actors, or screenwriters, at bars on the Lower East Side or in the East Village, usually with a girlfriend as a wingman, thrilling in the chase. Though the sex itself was rarely spectacular, Rebecca loved the lead-up, the banter, the glances, the hand-holding, the cab ride, and the very first kiss, which she felt was pure no matter how drunk both of them were. She didn't see one-night stands as tawdry or cheap. She felt they were perfect, in that she could write the biography of herself that she wanted to, confident, witty, sarcastic, sought after, then say goodbye before the guy knew her well enough to see how much of it was fiction. Rebecca was not unattractive, but even as a teen she'd been aware that her body was a bigger selling point than her face. She had curly Andy McDowell-style hair and deep brown eyes, but a pinched, angry expression, no matter what mood she was in. Once, at a party at Barnard, she had overheard two women whispering about her, and one of them had remarked that she was a butterface, a great body, but her face. Rebecca had been humiliated, but after a few minutes realized that the girl had verbalized something Rebecca had known all along. Her face had never hurt her in the eyes of men, who cared much more about her body. They almost acknowledged as much, saying things like, Your breasts are the perfect size, and You're so fucking hot, which was different from You're so beautiful. Because she knew her selling point was her figure, she took great pride in her body and felt at ease in bed in a way she didn't always feel out of it. In her bedroom, Rebecca regarded the mini pearl as an old friend, remembering the days when she and Theo had used it together to spice up the sex, 
or to get a laugh. Before Abby they had made love a few times a week. When her married friends complained that they were having less sex married than when they were single, she would chuckle sympathetically but secretly pity them, certain it would never happen to her. You must not like sex, she would think. Or, didn't you know your husband wasn't into it before you married him? Even late in her pregnancy, her drive hadn't tapered off, and she had been surprised to find that Theo's hadn't either. They'd even joked about the therapy the baby was certain to have, once it uncovered the memory of the penis knocking at its skull. But then Abby came, a hurricane, and everything changed. At Rebecca's six-week postpartum appointment, the midwife, a mustachioed mother named Lisa, examined her and told her, you can have sex whenever you want. She asked what Rebecca was planning to do for birth control, and Rebecca...